Welcome to Faith E Church. We're glad that you decided to join us today. Uh, my name is Matt. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here with the team here at Faith E. Hey, if you're joining us online, a big welcome to you too. We're glad that you're joining us from afar and being part of the body that way as well. Hey, today I get to wrap up our series. We spent the last three weeks, this is our third week in Romans 12. Three weeks or 21 days, we decided to call it 21 days in Romans 12. Pretty clever, right? So, so hopefully you've been tracking with us, hopefully you've been praying with us each day, fasting with us on Tuesdays. If you have no idea what I'm talking about because this is your first week here, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. And then also point you to the back two tables. There's a trifold pamphlet that'll tell you information about everything that I just said. But if you did happen to miss the first two weeks, you can always go to our website. It's been mentioned before, faithe.org. We always have them posted there. We also have a YouTube channel. We also have anywhere you listen to podcasts, we have them there as well. So you have no excuse to not find that if you're looking for that. So I encourage you to take your time and catch up with us if you miss those weeks. Uh, speaking of those weeks, uh, we talked about in the last two weeks why we chose Romans chapter 12, and we felt that it gave meat to the bones, to the framework of our vision here at Faithy. And just as a reminder, if you're new with us, or as a reminder for you, uh, the Faithy vision is that we're becoming fully surrendered disciples who love God, love others, and share Jesus. And today during this message, I hope to unpack that a little bit for you again. And so Romans 12, that's why we picked it. Um, as we look at Romans 12, Pastor Paul challenged us to become living sacrifices, to love God by putting ourselves on the altar. We're living sacrifices. And we're to be nonconformists to the ways of the world, but we're to be transformed by Jesus into the ways of Jesus. That's our vision for you. And uh, that will inevitably overflow into acts of service for one another. And that's what we talked about last week, that we're all designed in a specific way to complement each other inside this body. That's the Apostle Paul's go-to analogy for the family of God is referring to the body of Christ, and Christ is the head. We're all members of that body. We each have a role to fill, and so that's what we talked about last week, taking it out of park, getting it into gear, and we'll talk about that some more today as well. So before we get started, I'd like us to all stand out of reverence for God's word as we read it together. So please stand with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's pray before we dive into the word. Father God, we do, we just want to present ourselves as living sacrifices to you here today. God, we're yours. We want to be fully surrendered. That means move ourselves out of the way, off of the altar. God, let us be a fitting sacrifice for you. And God, we just want to say thank you Thank you for today. God, it's not a given, so thank you for today. Thank you for that sunrise that I saw this morning, you painting the skies. God, thank you for the very air in our lungs, the breath 
Each breath we take is a reminder that you are closer than the air we breathe. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for your mercy to us. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for being slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, we claim that. God, thank you. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you do what only you can do in our lives, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that would receive what you have for each one of us today. It's no accident that we're sitting, that we're standing exactly where we are today. God, you have something for each of us. I pray that we'd each just get out of the way and allow you to move and do your work. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen? You may be seated. So in verse 9, Paul says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love must be sincere is actually only two words in the Greek. Sincere love or sincerely love. And it's kind of like a headline for what we're going to look at today for the rest of this section. Sincere love. Sincere meaning genuine, authentic, real, without hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is just saying one thing and then doing another. And then the word for love here is agape. And that's a love that's specific to God. It's an unconditional kind of love. It's a divine love. As humans, we can only reflect that kind of love as we receive it from the Father. So sincere love. And every time I see agape in Scripture, I stop and consider the source, which is God. God is love. And some of us just need to hear that truth, that reality, and let it soak into our lives. God is love, and God loves you. God loves you. So why don't we embrace that truth this morning? Why don't you look at a neighbor around you and say, God is love. And then look at another neighbor and say, super califrat, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> say, God loves you. How'd that feel? God loves you. He is love. He loves you. He loves us. And it's not once you have it all together. We are all sinners. God loves you even when you are a sinner. Scripture tells us this. In Romans 5, 8, earlier in Romans it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not once you get it all figured out and have it all together that God will embrace you. He will embrace you with his unconditional love. That's what agape love is. It's who God is. We didn't deserve it. We certainly can't earn it. And yet God loves us. And I didn't understand really what this kind of love was, how to reflect it to others until I got married and we started having kids. And then I started to glimpse what sacrificial love looks like. And a tradition at our house is something we call daddy nights. And as the kids are getting older, that's transitioning to dad nights. And at one time, somebody called, one of my kids called it bro night. And I was like, no, I'm 
I'm your dad, I'm not your bro. Let's just get that, get that, get that straight. Uh, but what it is, is uh, my wife, Andrea, she gets to take the night off and she goes someplace where she's called by her real name, not mom, 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 mom. And she gets to not do anything for anybody else. She just gets to be. And then I get to stay home and I get to stay with the kids and we just have a blast. And so it's a win-win scenario. She gets a little bit of her sanity back. I get to have fun with the kids. It's great. And so depending on the time of year, that'll look differently. Sometimes we come in here to the gym, we play games, or sometimes we find a field and we'll play some soccer together, or we'll find a tennis court that's open and, and hit that. And lately they've been into pickleball, which is, is not a great deal. But uh, we have a whole debate going on in our house about that. But, uh, but we always go back to the house at the end of the night and we put on a movie and we eat junk food. And uh, part of every daddy night involves food that is of questionable nutritional value. <laughs> Just has to happen, it happens every time. And so we were one of these daddy nights a few years back and, and I'm supervising some brushing of the teeth at, in the bathroom and one of my kids is brushing his teeth, he's brushing his teeth and then he says something to me, kind of with his you know, toothbrush still in his mouth. And I think he says, Dad, I love you. And I was like, all right. I love it when my kids say they love me. It's just, it's amazing. It's some of that agape love that they're reflecting to me. And, uh, and so I lean down and kind of go in for the side hug. I say, what's that, buddy? And he goes, Dad, I need to puke. <laughs> and he proceeded with that last word to projectile vomit into my ear all over the side of my head and down my clothes. <laughs> now, I share that with you because there was a time in my life when I would have died right then and there. I would have died. <laughs> but in that moment, all, it was gross, but in that moment, I felt nothing but love for my kid. I felt nothing but love for him. And it wasn't until he had the puke bowl, a shower, fresh clothes, and he was in bed that I even stopped to process what had happened to me and the violation to my ear in person. <laughs> but that's a silly picture of God's agape love for each of us. You see, the reality is we each bring nothing but vomit to the party, but God loves us. He loves us. He loves us while we were still sinners. The New Living Translation says it this way. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And the Apostle Paul goes on to clarify what this kind of love for one another looks like with a two-part command. He says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Another way I like to say this is headline, sincere love, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Sincere love, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Yeah, there's definitely an element to this where it's a personal deal where we're called to run and flee from evil and cling and run towards what is good, but it's given in the context of community. And so it's what we're exhibiting to each other. That's what sincere love looks like. And we see it fleshed out further on in this chapter. In verse 14, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
And in 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that is hating the sin, but loving the sinner. That's how we show sincere love. Remember, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are each sons and daughters of God, just like we sang earlier. We are a child of God. In fact, John Stone Street says it this way. You have never had a conversation with someone who did not have eternity in their hearts. We have never looked anyone in the eye that was not made in the image and likeness of God. So the question is, do we see people the way that God sees them? As they are, not as they ought to be. Victims, not enemies. They're not our enemies. They're victims of the enemy. And that's actually what we're looking at next week. We start a series called Imago Dei, which is Latin for the image of God. And we're reflecting on how we're each made in God's image, and that changes everything about how we view ourselves and how we view and treat those around us, even our enemies. We're called to hate the sin, but not the sinner. So here's a couple questions that I want us to consider together. Who is God asking you to love like he loves you? And then related to that, do you see them the way that God sees them? Do you find yourself blessing them or cursing them? Are you tempted to repay evil for evil instead of allowing evil to be overcome by good? That's what we're called to. Billy Graham said, you cannot pray for someone and hate them at the same time. I've certainly found that to be true. I cannot pray for them and hate them at the same time. So you're to pray for your enemies. And whoever God has put on your heart in these last few moments, let's take a few moments right now and silently pray for them. Pray that they would experience agape love from the Father and that it would begin to renew and transform their minds. So go ahead and take a couple minutes to do that. Whoever God has brought to your mind, God, I just ask that you would have us see them the way that you see them. Give us a glimpse of your vision for them. God, they're not the enemy. They're the victim of the adversary. Help us to view them as a child made in your image, valuable, and they have great worth because of their father. The Apostle Paul continues in verse 10. He says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, agape was used earlier. In this passage, we actually see another form of love used. It's called phileo, which means brotherly love. That's why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. Phileo. And you may have used this kind of terminology as you talked about people in your life, relationships in your life. You'd say, Hey, uh, I love them like a brother. Or, hey, you've been like a sister to me. Or, uh, I've heard it said, uh, you're like a brother from another. Or a sister from another. 
Mister, yeah, good job. <laughs> but that's the kind of love that's being talked about here. It's familial love, love within a family. And we are devoted to each other just because we are the family of God. We stand together. This room, all of us gathered here, we are the family of God. And that means something. We stand for each other. We love one another. And it's also our greatest testimony to a world that's longing for sincere love. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places. They can find it here when they come in through these doors and they see you outside these walls. Sincere love from the Father. In fact, Jesus says that by our love, the world will know we are his disciples. In John, it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. See, the love that we have from the Father, when we exhibit to one another, it's how we share Jesus to a watching world. Loved people love people. And that's the four blanks in your bulletin day. Loved people love people. Because we are loved by the Father, we can't help but to have that love overflow from our lives into the lives of others. It's the way it works. Paul goes on to clarify how we should love one another. It says, honor one another above yourselves. The ESV actually says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. There's a competitiveness to it. A competition where the only prize is loving one another more and more. And it's not self-centered piety. It's sincere love for each other. It's almost like they made a competition out of the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest shall become, the least shall become the greatest. We're to honor each other. And the world says that honor's earned. Honor's earned. And maybe you're sitting there going, like, yeah, that makes sense. If you behave in honorable ways, you'll, you'll receive honor. You're worthy of honor. But the upside-down reality of the kingdom of God is this. Honor is not earned. It's given. Because all honor ultimately comes from the heavenly Father, just like love. And so when we show honor to somebody else, we're actually just honoring God by honoring them. So honor is not earned. Honor is given. You know, Scripture says to honor your father and mother. It doesn't say if they're great parents or if they make great financial decisions or they're worthy of it. It just says to honor them. That's the command. And that's a picture of what they're talking about here in Romans. And students who are in the room, I want you to hear something. Regardless of what kind of parents you had or have, you can learn something from anyone. You can learn something from anyone. So it's something they did or something they didn't do. You can learn something from them. And in that, you can find a reason to show them honor. When you honor your parents, you are actually honoring God himself. Paradoxically, giving somebody honor might be the very push that God's going to use to have them begin to serve and behave in honorable ways. Honor begets honor, 
Overcome evil with good. Honor one another, one another above yourselves. So what prevents us from honoring each other? I would just humbly suggest it's pride. Philippians, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. You see, when I lose sight of who God is and who I really am in relation to God, pride creeps into my life. And I begin to look at other people and say, oh man, you made some terrible decisions. No wonder you ended up where you are. And for some reason, I begin to see myself as more valuable or more worthy or more loved by God. And that's simply not true. I'm always reminded that I'm just a couple of bad decisions from being exactly where they are. And I'm only where I am because of God's grace in my life. God's love has made all the difference in my life. I have to remember that. It keeps me humble. So here's a question to consider. Has pride kept you from seeing someone the way that God sees them? Has pride maybe crept into your life and you hate both sin and sinner instead of loving them and seeing them through God's eyes? Paul continues in verse 11. He says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Zeal means eagerly willing, diligently attentive, enthusiastically waiting for an opportunity to serve. I really like the ESV version for this. It goes like this. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This version actually reminded me of a video that I watched. Let's watch this clip together. Actually, I just remembered I have a pal at the DMV. Flash is the fastest guy in there. You need something done, he's on it. I hope so. We are really fighting the clock, and every minute counts. Wait. They're all slots? Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. What do you call a... Three-humped camel. Three-humped camel. Pregnant. <laughs> Ah, ah, ah. Yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please just uh, focus on the time? Hey. Wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. Oh, no. Yes. Flash. What <gasps> do no. you call a three-humped camel? Uh, pregnant. Okay, great, we got it. Please pumped. just. Arr! 
so, how are you serving the Lord? Are you slothful, like flash there? Or are you more like zeal, where it's the image you get is being on the edge of your seat, like a boil of water ready to explode, just waiting for an opportunity to serve the Lord? You see, when you serve, it's about being a part of something bigger than yourself. You actually get to be about building his kingdom here on earth. You get to see the fulfillment of his good, perfect, and pleasing will on earth as it is in heaven, in billions as it is in heaven. That should get you very, very excited to jump in and serve the Lord. So you might be sitting there saying, Matt, I am excited. I'm ready to not be slothful. I'm ready to jump in and get started. But how? I'm glad that you asked. Right in front of you, in the seat in front of you, there's a Connect card. And that's a great place for you to fill out your contact details and say, I want to be part of a team. Turn it in. You can drop it off out here. You can drop it off at the welcome desk. But we have a place for you. If you have a pulse, we have a place for you. Every ministry you see announced from this platform, every ministry you see on our website, has at least a dozen places to serve, different kinds of ways for you to serve. So whatever your passions are, whatever your interests are, whatever your experiences are, we have something for you. So fill out that card and get it turned in. Get it out of park and put it into drive. We need you. We need the entire church body to serve, to make this thing work to bring the kingdom of God here in Billings. So come be a part of loving God, loving others, and sharing Jesus. Paul continues in verse 12. He says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And as we saw in the last series we were just in in 1 Peter, suffering is always accompanied by prayer and hope. Hope and prayer. Is your life marked by these? You see, the living hope that we have in Christ's second coming and the hope we have in our internal inheritance should cause a joy-filled response within us, should cause joy to break out. And how does the family of God factor into this? Well, you see, we're a network of support for each other. That's what we're designed to be. We do this together. Paul, three verses later, says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. John Stott said it this way, Love never stands aloof from other people's joys or pains. Love identifies with them, sings with them, and suffers with them. Love enters deeply into their experiences and their emotions, their laughter and their tears. It fills solidarity with them, whatever their mood. That's the family of God. Our joy doesn't change our reality. It reframes our reality. It gives us a bigger perspective, an eternal perspective. And we don't have to do it alone. We're here to rejoice together, to weep together, to stand together. And if you don't have that in your life, we have a group launch next week. Go on the website, get registered for a rooted group. That's exactly what those groups do. 
They stand together. It's your support network. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do this together. So get into community. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. That whole patient in affliction piece. I find that when I do lose my patience in situations, that's actually the best time to see what's actually inside of me spill out. So if I'm in line at the DMV, for instance, or maybe I'm in line for coffee, or any kind of a line whatsoever, if it's a situation where I'm called to be patient, you get to see what's really inside me pour out. Is it joy? Or is it something else? But it doesn't even have to be something very big. It can actually be something very small. And I actually experienced this a bit while I was fasting. Um, that's something that we were doing together is on Tuesdays as part of our study. And yeah, my, my family certainly experienced this, but I had small pockets of my day where I'd get what they call hangry. And so I was hungry, and then all of a sudden a little bit of anger would spill out, just, just trickle out a little bit. And uh, joyful, but then little pockets of anger. So maybe you experienced that too when you fasted with us. And I just encourage you, if you hadn't done that yet, we're doing it this Tuesday again. So you can join with us sun up to sundown. Why don't you fast with us? See what comes out of your life. See, your response to trials, no matter how big or small, will give you an indication of where your joy is coming from. Are you getting it from God, from that eternal perspective that I mentioned? Or are you getting it from someplace else, someplace lesser? So how do we maintain that eternal perspective as we go through affliction? Well, that's the third part of this verse, be faithful in prayer. Or the ESV, it says, be constant in prayer. So when the wheels fall off your life, do you fall to your knees? Because that's a great place to start. Start on your knees. And you'll experience joy as you patiently endure, endure the afflictions before you, and as you cling to the hope that you have in Christ. Overcome evil with good. Let's look at verse 13. It says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. We see this from the very beginning of the church. In Acts 2.45, it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So here we see that sincere love for one another and part of being devoted to one another in love means sacrificing for one another. Part of sincere love is sacrificial love. That's the agape love that we see from the Father and exhibited through Christ's sacrifice for us. And we have a fund here, kind of a committee with a fund attached to it called His Helping Hands. And so if you do find yourself where you are in need and you need help, regardless of what it is, and it's bigger than you, I'd invite you to rely on the community of believers here at Faithy. There's a group of men and women that watch over that fund. And they'll either give you resources to help you or point you to where those resources are. That's something that is available to each and every one of you. 
And actually, we don't talk about it very much from the stage because most of those needs are actually just being met in our life groups, our small groups. And so I would just say, good job. Keep up the great work. Stand together. And if you don't have that, again, register for a rooted group. It's a great place to start. Paul ends this section with practice hospitality. And hospitality just means kindness to strangers or love for strangers. It's a very fitting end to this sincere love passage. And we saw this at Faithy. I saw this at Faithy on Sunday afternoon. So I don't know if you were here. In case you missed it, we had a little thing, a little event called the Mega Block Party. I think it's going to become a fixture here. A mega block party. So we had food, we had inflatables, we had a climbing tower, we had a helicopter, we had a live band with live music, and over 100 of you served in love. You served, you showed hospitality to our neighbors. So I want to say good job and keep up the great work. We had around 1,400 to 1,800 people on our property for the mega block party. So if you help serve in that, I just want to say thank you and to encourage you, hey, let's keep up the great work. Let's use hospitality to show God's love to our neighbors. I'm your neighbor and I came because of that. So thank you so much. That's awesome. So in case you missed that, and for those online, we have a gal here who's here specifically because She's our neighbor. She came to that event. That's awesome. We're happy to have you with us. So sincere love motivates us to love one another in the family of God, to love those we do and do not get along with, regardless of our personal feelings towards that person. They are still made in the image of God, and that makes them worthy of honor We sacrificially give for each other through serving, through sacrificing, and through opening our homes in hospitality. That's the one truth I want you to leave with today, that loved people love people. And remember, the source of our love is God. God is love. And his love motivates us to love one another. Loved people love people. Because God first loved us, we love others. And that love is a testimony to a world that desperately, it's desperately searching for it. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with love. And that's how we are becoming fully surrendered disciples of Jesus who love God, who love others. And through these things, we share Jesus with a world who desperately, desperately need him. So let's take a few moments to consider a couple of possible applications. And this isn't meant to put shame or guilt on you. It's just, hey, what's the next step that I'm supposed to take? What has the Holy Spirit been saying to you today? They're listed in your bolt, and there's three suggestions that I make. One would be to list a few people you're grateful to have in your life, and then thank God for them and do so throughout this next week. See, I find gratitude and prayer 
are the best way for God to open your eyes and begin to see people the way that he sees them, through gratitude and prayer. So be grateful for the people you have in your life and pray for them. The second is to list any area that God's asked you to deepen, renew, or make a new surrender to him. Now, it could be something you need to forgive. Remember, forgiven people forgive people, just like loved people love people. Or maybe pride has crept into your life. Maybe it's a general lack of a love for people. Lift these requests up to God and ask him to break your heart for what breaks his. Remember, people are not the enemies. They are victims of the enemy. And three, what's one new habit or rhythm that you could put in your life this next week that you could commit to for at least a week? Uh, Maybe it's spending time in the word and learning more about the sincere love that God has for you. Start in the Gospel of John. Or you might try fasting with us on Tuesday. I'd invite you to join us and spend that time in prayer for our ministries that are starting up and for our hospitality for our neighbors. Or maybe it's just to invite somebody over for a meal this week and offer them a small gesture of hospitality. And remember, that love is love that's reflected from God. So be hospitable this week. Invite somebody over for a meal. So whatever the Holy Spirit said to you, I just ask you to write that down. Maybe find somebody you can tell it to and have them help you stay accountable to actually getting that done this week. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be doers of the word. As we close, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your sincere love to us. That while we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for us. God, your scripture says that you so loved the world, you so loved us all that you sent your son. Thank you so much for your agape love to us. God, we're challenged to show that love to others. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Help us to have your eyes and to see others as they are, not as they ought to be. As they are, they are image bearers of you, and that gives them value. It gives them worth, God. God, show us a glimpse of how you see people. Father God, help us to be a people that are known for our love for our neighbors. We love our community. If faith ceased to exist, we would hope that everyone would say, wow, that's a bummer. They loved us. They loved us. Unconditionally, they loved us. God, do that more and more in our community, in each one of our lives. And we pray this all in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen.